If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 12. 1 Chronicles chapter 12. We're going to be hitting that passage here in just a little bit, along with a few others as well. Uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 12 is where we're going to be. Well, I'm standing up here on a platform, right? Sometimes people use the word stage. For me personally, I don't like to use the word stage because that's kind of where you put on and where you act. And hopefully whatever happens up here is genuine and uh, authentic. So this is a platform. And uh, we actually renovated this particular uh, building, this whole entire worship center back a few years ago. Uh, Keith Smith, one of our guys, had uh, pretty much everything to do with that for the most part. And part of that was that he restructured the platform area up here. Now, here's the thing. when you If you've been in many churches and you've been in in some where their platforms are much taller. This one has five steps. Some of them have many, many more steps. Others have maybe one step or so. You know, it's not so much about the platform. The platform is nothing special. All the platform does is that it creates the opportunity to be more easily seen and more easily heard. That's all the platform does. I'm no more special than anybody else because I stand on a platform. It's nothing at all about the platform. It simply creates an environment where someone can be more easily seen and more easily heard. Now, platforms can be built by hands, right? They can be constructed by people or by building teams, construction teams, or platforms can also be created by circumstances. This is not the only platform that exists, right? Platforms can also be created by circumstances. For us in our community, a couple of weeks ago, we had a little storm breeze through called Hurricane Matthew. Many of you are still dealing with the effects of that particular storm. And what I found is, and what all of us really have found, is that that particular storm, that hurricane, has created a platform right? It's not so much the storm, it's the effects of it that has created a platform for some things to be more easily seen, more clearly seen, and more clearly heard. What I've noticed over these past couple of weeks is that there has been an amazing opportunity in this community specifically, because this area, Wilmington Island specifically, these islands areas have been more hard, more, uh, hit more hard than just about any other area here in our, in our region, that this has created a platform. It's created an opportunity for us to be able to proclaim a couple of things clearly. One is the message of the gospel. You know, there, there is a sensitivity to the message of the gospel, isn't there, whenever people are going through difficult times. For some of you, maybe, you chose to give your life to Christ whenever you were going through a difficult time. Maybe you were in a valley. Maybe you were going through a very dark period in your life. Maybe for you it was a family situation. Maybe for you it was a marriage situation. Maybe it was something of a financial crisis. Maybe it was relational in nature. But for you, there was a difficult time that you went through. Listen, a difficult time. And that circumstance created a platform where you were ready to hear the message of the gospel. And it was through the platform of your circumstances that you understood the gospel. You were ready for the message of the gospel, right? Because when you don't have hope in your life, you're ready and you're attuned to, to, to hearing a message of hope. You're ready to hear a message of hope when you're in a hopeless circumstance. If you're in a place where peace is nowhere to be found and your world is chaotic, your world is in turmoil, such as in our community here over these two weeks where so many lives have been turned up side down. So many areas of life have been affected. So many homes and so many families. It's in the midst of that chaotic uh, circumstance, in the midst of that, that turmoil, that people are ready to hear a message of a gospel of peace. And so there's a platform that's created by the circumstances that we've experienced over these past couple of weeks. Uh, when I was back in college, when I was a student at the University of Georgia, I had a friend of mine that discipled me in my faith. He was on staff there. He wasn't a student. He had already graduated, ironically, from the University of Florida. And he is, was there at the University of Georgia. 
working with a ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ. Now, he was a part of the athletic ministry of that called Athletes in Action. And his job, his name was Ray. His name still is Ray, actually. And uh, his, uh, funny how we say that. His name was Ray. I don't know what it is now, but it was Ray back then. Uh, Ray, you know, he would come alongside of people, a guy specifically, and he would just pour his life into them for the sake of the gospel. And, uh, and I was one of the guys that he did that with. Well, he had a ministry with a lot of different areas of uh, different athletic teams there on campus, but, but probably the primary area, and I didn't play football there, but his primary area was with the football team. He had a lot of relationships with the guys there, just pouring into them, discipling them, leading them to Christ, uh, uh, specifically there on the football team. And he made a statement to me one time back then. He said, you know, I, I've noticed that whenever the season is going really, really well, and the team is doing well, they're winning games, people are playing well, he said, nobody has time for the gospel. Nobody wants to talk about God. Nobody wants to hear about Jesus. Nobody wants to discuss their faith. He said, but whenever things are not going so well, he said, whenever the team isn't winning, whenever they're on a losing streak or they're going through a struggle, they're going through kind of a, you know, a, a hard stretch in the schedule, things just aren't clicking and, and the team's not doing well. He said, it's then that they really want to talk about God and they really want to talk about faith and they really want to talk about a relationship with Christ. And I still remember him saying that, partly because, based on our season so far this year, revival is about to break out at the University of Georgia, the football, football team, I suppose. <laughs> I guess we'll, we're going to wait and see, maybe. But uh, you know, there's a lot of truth to that, that when we go through difficult times, I mean, our hearts are ready. Our hearts are sensitive, right? Our, the antenna is up. I mean, we want to hear about a God who brings hope when we don't have any. We want to hear about a God who brings peace whenever we don't have any. And so whenever we look over the, the kind of the landscape of our area over these last two weeks, I mean, this hurricane blew in. You may have had nothing happen to you. I mean, you may be doing fine. Everything may be going well for you. You clean your yard up in an hour. But there are a lot of people whose lives have been devastated in this community. There are a lot of people who had insurance, but they can't pay their deductible. And they don't know where the money's going to come from. There are going to be trees scattered around this particular community for a long, long time, more than likely. And beyond the trees, there are going to be lives that will take a long time to rebuild on the inside. And it's the platform called a hurricane that has created an opportunity for us to come in, those of us who know Christ, those of us who have received Christ as our Savior, to come in and to share the message and to share the hope and to share the peace that comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. But this storm has also created another type of a platform, a platform for us to serve others a platform for us to be able to get out of our comfort zone and to get out of our comfortable homes and to be able to go out where it's dirty and to step into lives that are broken, lives that are hurting, and to be able to roll our sleeves up and to get in the trenches and to be able to not just share with those lives, but to also get in there and to walk through those trenches with them and to show the compassion of Christ and the love of Christ and to demonstrate the very things that we always say we believe in. Now we have a platform by which to show that and to validate the message of the gospel. A few weeks ago, I started a brand new series on the New Testament book of Titus. Uh, it's the shortest series I've ever done. It was one message, apparently, because I've, um, you know, I preached the, kind of the overarching, sort of the, the beginning message, just to, to kind of give the overview. The very next Sunday, uh, we, didn't, we didn't have services. I was a law-abiding citizen, so I evacuated 100 feet over the county line uh, into the next county. A lot of you were gone, so we didn't hold services that Sunday after the storm came. Uh, last Sunday, I preached a message. I felt compelled uh, to preach a message entitled, The Gospel Changes Everything, and how it's the message of the gospel that saves us. It's the message of the gospel that defines us. It's who we are. It's the message of the gospel that sends us. 
Well, through the course of this week, I was already planning on kind of moving into Titus, then chapter 1, verse 1. I even announced it last Sunday, and uh, I guess this makes me a liar. But through the course of this particular week, you know, I, I began to think, we can't just... We can't just ha- have a, a circumstance like this two weeks ago where this storm came in and just ravaged so many people and so many lives. We can't just have one sermon that deals with this and three days of yard work from groups of people within our church and then just move on as though, everything, as though nothing ever happened. And I began to think, I, did a, I was asked to, to, to come and to share a little bit of what our church has done uh, with his radio on Wednesday morning. So I was over at Grace Church of the Islands early Wednesday morning. And throughout the course of that day, I just really began to kind of wrestle with that. And, and just thinking, you know, we're going to look back six months from now. We're going to look back next year and say, what an opportunity we missed. What an opportunity we missed to, to, to see the platform that God has created for us as a body of believers, as a team to be able to put into practice what we claim to believe and to see lives impacted for the sake of the gospel. And so I made the decision to shift gears. I felt like it was under the Lord's leading. You know, I'm not infallible. Maybe it was, uh, maybe I've missed it. But I really feel like God wants us to focus for these next few weeks on what it means to be the hands and the feet of Christ as we look at a message series simply entitled The Platform and using against the backdrop of this series this platform called Hurricane Matthew that has provided for us such an opportunity to make a difference for the sake of the gospel. In 1 Chronicles chapter 12, the basic story and the summary of this chapter is that King David is assembling somewhat of an army. God is assembling an army for David. It's the transition time. King Saul had served for 40 years. David was next in line. And Saul is sort of transitioning out. David is transitioning in. God is providing support for David to the tune of about 350,000 men, warriors, some of whom would be named by name in 1 Chronicles chapter 12. Verse 22 says that they were coming day by day. God was adding to the number. More and more warriors within the land of Israel were coming to David saying, we're with you, we're behind you. And there's an interesting verse in chapter 12. You probably, have, you, you probably never noticed it before. It's certainly not a verse that stands out that we tend to memorize. We don't find it in our Awana ministry. You're not going to have it stuck on the side of your refrigerator at home on a magnet, right? But it's an interesting verse because of one phrase. There's a group of people that are named as those that are coming to David's side. And this one particular group is called the Sons of Issachar. Now, I know you're probably going to go away today and forget that group, but I hope you don't forget what it was that set them apart from others. Look at what it says here, 1 Chronicles chapter 12 verse 32. It says, of the sons of Issachar, and then it describes them, men who understood the times. Of all the people that God was adding to the number that would support David, again, valiant, mighty men, warriors, 350,000 strong. This one specific group, the sons of Issachar, are listed as those who were men who understood the times. If there is a danger for the Christian church in our country today, it is that we collectively run the risk of putting our head in the sand and singing all the songs we like, of putting on our podcast all the preachers we like to hear, of surrounding ourselves with events that make us feel good and make us comfortable. And yet while our head is in the sand, this world is ever changing. And we find ourselves, if we ever come up out of the sand, even though the message never changes, we do not know how to relate to a culture that is changing before our very eyes. 
This specific group, the men of Issachar, the sons of Issachar, for whatever reason, God chose to include that simple phrase. They were men who understood the times. And for us as believers, for us specifically in this congregation, in this church family, we have to be willing to understand the times. For you as parents, you have to understand the the times in which your children navigate. You have to understand that. You may not know every single aspect of it, but you have to understand this world is different than the world in which you were raised as a student. We have to understand that there are family dynamics at play that were not in play just a few years ago, that weren't in play just a couple of decades ago. We have to understand the times, and we have to understand how the message that never changes, that God loves us and he's provided forgiveness for us through his son, Jesus, who came and died in our place, died as our substitute, died as our sacrifice, that he came and he died, and yet he rose again, and all who turn from our sin and place our faith in him are saved forever, we're forgiven, we're made right with God. That message never changes, but the culture in which it is proclaimed, the culture which is communicated is ever-changing. And through this series, man, I just hope, as we look through this series entitled The Platform, I hope that we see not trying to change our state, not trying to change our country, not trying to change the whole entire world, but for these next few weeks, can we just maybe hopefully build some momentum and add to what God is already doing and begin perhaps even to change our whole entire mindset of why we're here and see God enable us to look at all the effects of these last two weeks, not just as a tragedy, not just as a difficulty, but as a platform to serve others and to put Christ on display and to demonstrate compassion, even when it costs us, and to perhaps even share the message of the gospel. We find in Scripture that there are a lot of examples of platforms that God would use for good. I want to walk you through just a few of those real quickly this morning. The first I want you to see is in the book of Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. In the book of Galatians, what you find here is that Paul has simply written a letter, not, not to a specific church, but he's written a letter to a collection of believers in a region of the world known as Galatia. 2,000 years ago, Paul would write this letter. You're reading a real letter that Paul wrote. Uh, and as you read this letter, what you find is that even though Paul is dealing with a specific circumstance in these churches in the region of Galatia, he was dealing with what it means to walk by grace as opposed to walking by just sort of keeping the law all the time. Uh, he's, he's dealing with that overarching principle. But here in, the, in chapter 4 in the book of Galatia, he also tells us a little bit of how he had such a platform with this audience, of how God used a circumstance in his life to create a platform, not built by hands, but a platform of circumstances. Look at what it says in Galatians chapter 4. Verse 13 and verse 14. Paul writes and he says to the Galatian believers, he says, But you know that it was because of a bodily illness that I preached the gospel to you the first time. And that which was a trial to you in my bodily condition, you didn't despise or loathe, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. We don't know what this illness was for Paul. Theologians have speculated for centuries. Most would feel, and if you had to hold me to it and say, Brooks, bet everything you got, what do you think it was? I would say that it was probably an eyesight condition. At the very end of this book in Galatians chapter 6, verse 11, Paul writes, see what large letters I use as I write this letter to you with my own hand. And so a lot of people speculated that maybe it was an eyesight condition that caused Paul such, such difficulty in ministry. But regardless of what it was, Paul says there, you read, it, you read it real clearly, that it was because of a bodily illness, God used that illness in his life as a platform to enable him to preach the gospel the very first time to these Galatian believers. 
And I would assume that it was the platform of his illness that give, gave him a, 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 an audience that was willing to listen and to hear what it was that he had to say. And so God created this platform called illness in Paul's life that ultimately enabled the gospel to go forward. Luke chapter 8, you don't have to turn there for the sake of time, but in Luke chapter 8 we find yet another example of a, uh, of a platform that is created by circumstances. This one in Jesus' ministry. Luke chapter 8, look at what it says in verse 22. This is from Luke's perspective on the ministry of Jesus. He says in verse 22, on one of those days, Jesus and his disciples got into a boat and he, Jesus said to them, let's go over to the other side of the lake. And so they launched out, but as they were sailing along, he fell asleep and a fierce gale of wind. All right, this is the circumstance, a fierce gale of wind. Anybody been through a fierce gale of wind anytime recently? Okay, I see your hands. Uh, A fierce gale of wind descended on the lake and they began to be swamped and to be in danger. Now, these are seasoned, many of these disciples are seasoned fishermen. They've sailed across this particular lake many, many times. It says, so they began to be in danger, and they came to Jesus, and they woke him up, which is kind of funny. Jesus had a lot of peace, let's just say that. And they woke him up saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he got up, and he rebuked the wind and the surging waves, and they stopped. And it became calm, and he said to them, where's your faith? They were fearful, and they were amazed, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? You see, Jesus no doubt had proclaimed himself already to these guys as God. But it was on the platform of this storm that he used it as as an amazing opportunity to be more more clearly seen and more clearly heard as he showed himself to be God, even in charge of his creation. John chapter 11 is a passage you're probably familiar with. John chapter 11, Jesus' close friend Lazarus would become ill. In chapter 11 in the book of John, verse 1, pick up there or just follow with me on the overhead and read what it says. Yet another platform. It says, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. And so the sisters, this would be Mary and Martha, they sent word to Jesus saying, Lord, behold, uh, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. No doubt, Lazarus' sisters had heard of the glory of God. But there was about to be a platform created by the circumstance of death that would enable the glory of God to be seen more clearly and heard more clearly. These are only three examples in Scripture, and there would be many others, of how God creates circumstances that become platforms to put Himself on display. Through the course of these past couple of weeks, I've, I've been involved with teams that have gone out to be able to help clean yards and to help people just as some of you have done and I've heard stories that I had no part in I just heard the stories one of which came from Eric our student pastor he told me a story just a couple days ago of a neighbor of theirs that that they were able to help and as they went over and helped her uh, she was living there I believe alone she had no one else really there in her family available to help her and they went over and they helped her and and after doing so she made the comment she said you know what it's good to see Christians walking the walk (laughs) Isn't that something? Underlying that would probably be the assumption that she's been hard-pressed for a long time to find a Christian who actually walked the walk. But it was the platform of a storm 
that created the opportunity for her to see a little more clearly that not all Christians are the way we sometimes hear, that there are some who actually live out the faith that they embrace. One of our teams was able to help someone here in our community. They had a sign in their yard. The sign in the yard, probably, you saw it. It said Old Vet, and they weren't selling a classic Corvette, all right? It said Old Vet. Had dollar signs on the sign. It said something to the effect of, need help with yard work. A team of probably 10, maybe 11 or 12 went into that particular yard, and uh, men, women, and kids were actually part of that particular team. And helped in two hours, that yard looked completely different. A lot of debris, a lot of uh, stuff that was hauled out and placed by the road, things that were cut up, things that were discarded. And what an honor it was to be a part of a circle where that husband and that wife stood along with people from our ministry and our church and to be able to pray together and through that service to put on display on a platform where it could be seen a little more clearly and heard a little more clearly that God loves them and that God is here for them. Story after story after story, many of which that are associated with uh, the, the effects of this particular storm. Others that have come about here more recently, a couple of weeks or a couple of uh, months ago, I guess now, when Hermine came through, when the tropical storm came through, one of our small, small groups, one of our grow groups, uh, actually chose to change an event they had in place and to be able to go out and to help serve and to be able to help people to clean up from the effects of that particular storm. Another one of our groups, um, Rock and Roller uh, Grow Group, uh, I guess a couple of few, well, a few months now, probably back in the summer, they uh, had an idea themselves. It didn't get generated by the staff. It wasn't on our church schedule. Nobody else decided it but them. Decided to embrace a group of um, foster parents and foster families. They put on an event themselves, blessed those families. I heard all kinds of great feedback of what that event was like. And it was because they chose to use that platform as an opportunity to put Christ on display. And so as we look at the effects of this storm, when we move through this particular series, my desire is that we don't just hit a message series for a couple of weeks that we, that we don't just emphasize this for a few weeks and then kind of move on our merry way and everything settles back down again. My desire is that this series really challenges you where you are as a believer, really challenges you where you are as a follower of Christ so that you don't become like so many other followers of Jesus where we become content to come and to be fed and then to move on our merry way and to buy the books that we want to read and to listen to the songs that we want to hear, like I said earlier, to only listen to the preachers we want to make, you know, that make us feel good. I hope that you'll be challenged and I hope you'll be, be sent out from where you are to make a difference in this world in which we live for the sake of the message of the gospel. So what is the takeaway this morning? What I want you to jot down and to really chew on through the course of this week, there's one simple statement, and I hope you'll jot it down, and the statement is this, that whenever we look at this platform that God has created for us through the effects of this particular storm, and when we look at the lives that have been ravaged, when we look at the lives that have been impacted, if we choose to climb this platform, how do we do it? We do it this way. We ascend that platform when we invest and when we invite. We ascend that platform when we invest and when we invite. If you read a lot about other ministries, if, you, if you're familiar with um, North Point Community Church up in Alpharetta, you probably heard that little phrase there. It's not unique to me, but I love the, I love the idea behind it, that God has called us as the body of Christ to invest our lives in others and to begin to invite them, whether that be to church, whether that be into our own small group where God is at work, or whether that be into a relationship with Jesus which is the most important invitation of all. But God calls us, we ascend this platform ultimately when we invest our lives and when we invite others to know God as we do. Who is it in your community? I want to challenge you with this. Who is it in your community that still is dealing with the effects of this particular storm from two weeks ago? Who is it on your street that still has debris in their yard? And you know it's not going anywhere anytime soon. 
You know they don't have family members to help. You know that there's, there, you know, there, there's no team that's going to materialize out of nowhere that's going to come in and help them. They may not have the funds available to pay someone to come in and to help them with those things, but you know that you can help. Who is it in your neighborhood, on your street, in your community, in your cul-de-sac, in your apartment complex? Who is it that you know that still needs help? Who is it that you know that is still suffering under the effects of this that you can invest in? And I want to challenge you over the course, uh, course of these next two or three weeks or so to step out of that comfort zone and to make an investment, maybe like you've never made before. On your seat when you came in, you should have had a little card that was there. Uh, just a simple little business card size. The very front of it says, this is a simple way to say God loves you. This is not a free gift to you, by the way. <laughs> it is to you, I guess, but it's designed to be given to somebody else. Um, you can enjoy it, take it home, look at it. Look at it over lunch today. Just you know, be dazzled by the colors. It is a very beautiful card, um, but it's not designed to stay with you. And my challenge to you over the course of this next week, and we've done things like this before, is to unload this card, you know? Unload this card as you do something to invest in someone else to make a difference for the sake of the gospel. You say, Brooks, well, I'm not at a place where I'm comfortable sharing the gospel. I don't feel like I know enough yet. Well, we've got a lot of things that take place in our ministry that will help to equip you. Take advantage of those things. But if you're not at a place to where you feel like you're comfortable enough to be able to share the message of the gospel, then here's a little invitation to church, right? validated when you do something to show the love of Christ as a platform, right? Putting it on display. Leave this little card behind to let someone know that the reason you did what you did was because of your relationship with the God who's named on this card. Over the course of this next week, my challenge is to you that you'll unload this, unload this card in whatever way God, God lays on your heart. It may be to someone who lives next door. It may be to the person in the Starbucks line. It may be to somebody else. But unload this card in a way that makes a difference in the life of another as you invest yourself in them. And my challenge on top of that is not just to do it once and be done. Some circumstances, that's what we do, right? But just consider the fact that maybe God doesn't want you to treat your service as a drive-by, <laughs> you know, where you're just like, I served and now I'm gone. Maybe God wants you to serve that one time and then make an investment over time as you pour your life into the life of the one God lays on your heart. Who is it that you can invest in? And how is it that you can invite them? I'm going to make a really bold statement here that makes me nervous before I say it. Probably makes my wife even more nervous. I didn't put it in my notes. But if this isn't a church that you feel proud enough of to invite somebody to, for whatever reason, you need to find a church you can be proud of. If there is not enough going on here that is able to be able, that, that, that is able to connect with someone and lead them into a relationship with God and enable them to grow deep in that relationship with God and equip them to be able to put Christ on display through their lives, if that's not a church that you can be proud of, then you need to find a church that you can be where you can invite folks to come with you and see God do work in their lives as he's done in yours. The reason I'm pastor here is not just because God called me to be a pastor here. If I wasn't a pastor, if I wasn't on staff, I would want to be a part of a church just like this. I was a part of this church before I was pastor 14 years ago. I had joined here long before I was ever on staff. God wants us to be engaged. He wants us to be engaged with each other, and he wants us to be proud of the work that he's doing to the point to where we seek to involve as many as we can in that work here. 
And so as you invest in others, man, let me just challenge you again to invite them. Invite them to come with you. Invite them to sit, invite them to sit with you. Invite them to your small groups. Invite them to the events that we do. And if you really believe that God can grip their life and do something for eternity through their time here, bring as many as you can. And one day they'll be happy for it. Because it just may be here, if they don't hear it from you first, that they hear the message of the gospel. It may just be here that God challenges them to live their life and surrender like never before. And it just may be here that God does something to impact others that would have been missed along the way. There's a book entitled The Whole in Our Gospel, written by a man named Richard Stearns. There's a quote in that book that is, um, well, let's just say, very, very challenging. Listen to what he says here in this particular quote from this book, The Whole in Our Gospel. You've got it on the overhead. You can read along with me. It says, what has God given to you? Moses had a stick. David had a slingshot. And Paul had a pen. Billy Graham, a gift for preaching. Johnny Erickson Tata, a disability. What did they have in common? A willingness to let God use whatever they had, even when it didn't seem very useful. If you will assess what you have to offer in terms of your time, your treasure, and your talents, you will have a better understanding of how you might uniquely serve. Queen Esther was not always a queen. In the story that bears her name in the Old Testament, we read of her, of her life, of how she was an orphan girl taken in by her uncle by the name of Mordecai. It's a long story that I'll summarize very, very, into a very, very short story and close with. But basically, in God's sovereignty, Queen Esther would be uh, ultimately the queen uh, in the land of Persia, serving uh, as the wife to King Ahasuerus. There was a plot that would be uncovered. The plot would be from uh, an enemy of the Jewish people named Haman. And Haman's desire was to punish the Jewish people by basically having them eliminated. Queen Esther would hear of this particular plot, and obviously because she was a Jew herself, and at that point no one knew that, she went back to her uncle Mordecai and began to ask, what should I do? There's a plot to exterminate and to wipe out all of the followers of God, all the Jewish people. Uh, our people will be done, done away with. What should I do? And it was her uncle Mordecai who made a statement that has really become probably the key verse in all the book of Esther. And the statement is in chapter 4, verse 14. Look at what it says. He says to her, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. But who knows whether you have not attained royalty, he says to Queen Esther, for such a time as this. I don't know why God allowed, or maybe even why God would have sent a hurricane to do what it did in this community. But what I do know is that it has created an amazing platform for those of us who know Jesus and for churches just like this to leverage that storm and to use that platform as we climb it and as we invest in others that are hurting and struggling and as we invite them, not just here, but as we invite them to him. Hey, what are you going to do this week? And what are you going to do next week and the next and the next to invest, to invite and to do all that you can to see God use your life to make a difference in those around you. It's for times just like this, Christian, that you were created and that you were saved to begin with. Let's pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, 
I don't take for granted the fact that there may even be some here this morning that have come, and maybe you were invited, and you've come, and yet you're at a place in your life where you know that you need a Savior. Maybe for you in your life, it doesn't have anything to do with a storm that came, but there are circumstances that has brought you to a place of brokenness in your life. And you know that you need to be right with God. You know that you need a Savior that will heal you and that will help you and that will forgive you and that will keep you. This morning, right where you sit, the best decision that you'll ever make, the only decision that will ever last forever in your life is the decision to yield your life to Jesus, to turn from your sin and to invite Him in to forgive you and to take over. And this morning, right where you are today, you can make the decision that if you've never given your life to Christ before, you can do that right there, right where you sit in the quietness of this moment, to simply pray and ask Jesus, God himself, to take what he did on the cross and to apply that forgiveness to your life, to forgive you and to take over from this day forward. And for those of us that have made that decision, well, this is a time for us to take inventory of our walks and of our lives and to decide, maybe for the first time, to say, you know what, God, I want my salvation to be more than just for me. I want others to be impacted by what you've done in my life. And maybe the prayer for you this morning, Christian, is to say, God, give me the boldness that I need. Give me, the, give me the wisdom and give me the vision that I need to understand the times in which I live, to see the platforms that you have created all around me, and give me the courage to climb those platforms, to invest my life in others for the sake of the gospel, to be involved in their life, to invite them into my world, and to, to even get maybe down where it's dirty so that my life can be a testimony to them, that even though I have so far to go in my own walk, God, would you even use me to invest and to invite so that other lives can be impacted through what you've done in me? And so, God, I pray that all over this place there'll be decisions that are made. And Lord, not just for a week, not just for a sermon series, not just for a few weeks or a couple of months, but God, really from this point forward, that you would continually take us as a church, as a group of believers, further down that road of being invested in our community, invested in our city, invested in our world so that you can maybe even use our lives like you have so many others before us. Lord, it only happens when we're yielded. And if that's the decision we need to make today, may it be the one that we get right to yield ourselves to you like never before. Bless this time of decision, we ask. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.